Welcome to Oh This World. This is a podcast for people inclined to take action in the age of coronavirus. As Americans and as Texans, we wonder about the choices we are personally making in this new world disorder. And because our state and federal governments have failed to provide the leadership necessary to help all of us make informed decisions, it sometimes seems like we're all on our own. But at a time when it's easy to feel helpless, we're focused on action. I'm Antoinette Perez. And I'm Lucas Schaefer. We're friends, engaged citizens, and progressive activists in Austin, Texas. Our mission is to help Texans and people across the country hold our leaders accountable and build an America that leaves no one behind. So grab a drink, wash your hands, and join us for Oh This World. Welcome to Oh This World. Good afternoon, Lucas Schaefer. Hello, Antoinette Perez. How are you doing this fine Friday? Bad week. Bad week. Oh, no. In, oh, not for me. Okay, in the world. I mean, in, in this my, world. Yeah, my, my, every week of mine is exactly yeah. the same. <laughs> <laughs> Groundhog bad, day. Bad, bad week around us. Bad week it's a bad week us. around us. I, I think doing the things that we can do to keep our own lives and um, happiness up is good. Like, for instance, today I have bright pink toenails, and that is a, a spirit lifter. And we're doing a weekend grab bag. We're doing a weekend grab bag. Today, uh, we reached into our bag and we found a state of the pandemic address, which we will get to in the, in the middle section of the episode. Um, this is essentially something that I think we'd always hoped for from our president, but never gotten, which is just to look at the facts and some discussion maybe about what that means for Lucas and for me personally, and how we're going to continue to make good decisions for ourselves and our families moving forward. But first, I want to say a hearty thank you to our patrons, uh, Nanette Fodell, Karen Griffin, and Kyle Burkhart. You three listen and share, and you also now financially support our podcast. So thank you very much. Uh, We have enjoyed sharing bonus content just for our patrons. That's been kind of a fun new adventure, hasn't it? It has. And if you would like to join them in your patronism... You can go to patreon.com forward slash oh this world pod. And I love the verbiage around this is patronism or patronage, I guess would be the old word. But yeah, I don't know if Patreon has a special no, no. word. You, can, you can tell I haven't worked as a salesperson before. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we really appreciate our patrons, and that is our Friday shout out to them. Thank you for supporting us in all the extra ways. Um, And now I want to follow up. I'll kick off the follow-up section, Lucas, with one quick thought. On our last episode, you took us through a discussion around disinformation and misinformation. Yes. And one of the end results of your talk was that we have a real opportunity and maybe even a responsibility in how we use social media. I have a real love-hate relationship with social media to begin with. Since COVID has begun and I've been sheltering in place and spending a lot of time at home, I've been doing a lot more sharing of my life on social Mm -hmm. media. Mm -hmm. And now I'm starting to think that all those times that I used to make that excuse of, I'm not going to feed the trolls, I'm not going to engage on social media, maybe I could be doing things differently. So thank you for challenging that and sending me on a road that could be more productive. I feel like one thing we didn't talk about that I don't have information on right in front of me, though, is 
you know, there are people on social media who are not, I don't want to say not real people, but I mean, we, you know, there, there's oh, the bot world. There's kind of yes. like the professional troll troll True. world. True. So I, I would just point out when we were talking about this stuff, we were really talking about people in your circles, yes. even, even if they're wide circles, yes. that, that's who you need to People that against. you know that are legitimate human beings. Yes. None of these yeah. articles were suggesting you, you know, go around just engaging with random maybe people about these issues. But when when you're seeing disinformation spread by people in your wider circle, that's when it's important to say, um, a word, a word, peripheral <laughs> friend. Excellent. Who is peripheral for a reason. Um, <laughs> Good. Well, that was my only follow-up point. So thank you for that education and for that challenge. What were your follow-ups? Uh, oh, boy. Oh, this world. I have a few. I have a few brief follow-ups. So I'll start with the disinformation one, which is in the disinformation episode. I said after we talked about pandemic, I was going to give some examples from Texas Twenty One, where we live, of conspiracy theories that have been sp- spread by our elected representatives, and I never did that. And then after the show, I thought. You know, it's kind of nice we didn't do that because, as we talked about, we don't just need to repeat the lies, right? Yeah. But then I was like, I kind of went back through my notes and looked at the ways in which here in Texas 21, conspiracy theories or things that are just not accurate are disseminated through um, he who I shall not name because we want to go through through an episode without talking about our congressman Chip Roy. But um, I did notice a pattern and I just wanted to point it out to people so that you are aware of it because I think it's sort of insidious and typically irritating of this person, which is that the two conspiracy theories that I was going to point out, one was a full-blown lie a made-up story about a fellow congressperson of Chip Roy is who he does not agree with being essentially a foreign agent. This was a number of months ago. Um, so that really was a conspiracy theory. It was a total hoax. Um, the other sort of conspiracy theory-like thing was this whole, and this isn't really a conspiracy theory, but this whole hydroxychloroquine mm. business where you know, Republicans had been basically saying, this is, uh, you know, this is going to be the panacea, do this, yeah. do this. And in both of these cases, I just wanted to point out his what his strategy was. Um, in the first one, he retweeted the story as, um, as was being, uh, as was initially tweeted by his chief of staff. And what his chief of staff said was, I don't know if this is true or not, but it definitely needs to be investigated. Oh, yeah. so they introduce it as a maybe check this thing I mean, out. It, it could be disinformation, but if it's true, it's really, really bad. Right. And then with the hydroxychloroquine thing, it was a very similar, I'm not saying this works or it doesn't, but people should know. Um, and of course, in both of those cases, when these things were proven to be untrue, there was no follow-up. Mm-hmm. There was never a, you know what, guys, that was really, really irresponsible, and I'm not going to do that again. Those tweets are still out there. Any, 
one can find them. And he, of course, will say, well, I didn't, I didn't, you know, it's the, it's the gish galloping debate freaks out here. Yes. Um, gish gallop. So I just wanted to throw that out there as a strategy to be on the lookout for and to call people out for when you see it. I mean, if you're an elected official, do the research first. You know, Great there's no excuse. Point. There's no excuse to be saying, "Well, I, well, I don't know. This, this could be true. It could be maybe not true. this outlandish thing is true, but also maybe not." I mean, what are we paying you for? Apparently, not. and then no retraction later, no clarification, no. Oops, that was wrong. <sighs> yeah, no wow. personal accountability from the party of quote personal responsibility. Okay, so that was that. We can leave this man. I don't think we're going to return to him at least for a couple of minutes, which is about as far as I can go. <laughs> um, okay. Second follow-up. Um, New York Times story by Manny Fernandez and David Montgomery, May 13th, 2020. Businesses chafing under COVID-19 lockdowns turn to armed defiance. The subheading is armed militia-style protesters have helped businesses across Texas defy coronavirus lockdowns and reopen. Protesters say they are enforcing the Constitution. Um, so that is a story we will post up. There was another somewhat similar story about how the Michigan legislature is now not meeting, um, at least in part, it seems, because armed protesters keep showing up at the Capitol and harassing lawmakers. And I just wanted to tie this back to my little oh, the small world attention white people rant to say, one, if any of these people were not white, they would be in jail so quickly or dead or dead. Let's right. be frank. Right. Um, so quickly. So that's infuriating part one. And just infuriating part two is it kind of goes back to what we've talked about a few times, which is coddling these people, coddling these people saying, oh, we're not going to, we're going to put on our kid gloves and, and not really treat them um, as they should be treated because if we call them racist, then uh, they'll become more racist. And if we call them authoritarian, then they'll become even meaner. I, it's just not, it's ahistorical, it's naive, it's not based in reality. Anyone who has ever dealt with a bully knows that you don't deal with them by saying, oh, just please be, please be a little nicer to me. And I just, I don't know. I guess I have no point other than it's like really sick that these people are terrorizing lawmakers at a state capitol or you know entering like a subway with their like bazookas as opposed to sitting in a jail cell where they belong all i can do is hope that this pandemic and the time that we have to think and talk with each other in different ways and just slow down will enable us to think about folks like you just described as they are which is terrorists they're like domestic terrorists when we think about them certainly are yeah when we think about striking terror in the heart of people in order to force them to do things that is essentially what is happening there um well and it and going back to that uh, that column that i was critical of earlier in the week about shelly luther you know if you're gonna not hold her to account for all of these political reasons of oh we don't want to rile up 
this person or that person. I mean, this is the next logical step that when it's Shelley Luther, but armed, <laughs> you know, in tactical gear, well, oh, we don't want to. And suddenly the, the laws just don't apply to right. conservative white people. And it's just unacceptable. I think that, you know, the, the pro- appropriate response is not to shut down the legislature. It's to say, if you are showing up here and armed and terrorizing legislatures, you're going to be removed. And if you have broken the law, you're going to be held to account for that. I, I just think the the coddling is really destructive, wanted to point it out. Right. Um, final follow-up was, mm-hmm. it was just occurring to me that after I kind of did that little rant, that if this is if you're a white person for whom this has just not been something you've been thinking deeply about, I didn't really provide any any resources to start. Um, so I did just want to mention, and Antoinette, you and I have both read this book, Waking Up White by yes. Debbie, Debbie Irving. Debbie Irving, um, Waking Up White and Finding Myself in the Story of Race. I would say, and please butt in here, Antoinette, and tell me if I'm if this is incorrect. I would say if you're someone who's enraged by these issues um, and thinking of ways to take action, but have kind of thoughts about them a bunch, this might not be the the, the text for you. I, I think it might be more helpful for people who, you know, are are sort of just early in this process of giving this thought, but it could be helpful for them too. I don't want it. This is not a knock on the book. It's just, I think it's a specific um, sort of target audience. audience. Is that, would you, I don't know, maybe. Well, my husband read the book and I would say he's, he's fairly keen on knowing what's happening and what injustice looks like. And, and he thought it was great he okay. recommended it to everybody that he knew for six months after reading I'm, it. I'm retra- okay. I'm retracting it. He Everyone it. should read it. Um, wh- well, white white readers should read it. Um, and there are other books that are similar to this one. I don't. I guess I didn't need to do this whole prologue of why you shouldn't read it. It's a good book. Go read it. Um, but I don't know. You're. You know. You don't want to. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just babbling. Um, I think the other thing you can do that. I, I personally find helpful is reading actual history, <laughs> actual American history um, of how we got to this point. And I will not um, bore people with my recommendations for that right now, but maybe I'll tweet out some some thoughts. And just the very final thing I wanted to say, and then we are moving on, is you and I have a, uh, well, a dear friend of mine. This is not someone you've actually met, Holly Holmes, who is a... Uh, avid podcast listener among many other things and, and uh, has given us some fantastic advice yes through this I, I wouldn't even say she's an avid podcast listener she's sort of a you know she's a, she's a little bit of a, a producer um now and then with the fantastic thoughts she's she's given and has just given us so much encouragement but she emailed me to say that potholders and oven mitts are definitely different oh not the same wow um so not only was i mispronouncing potholder as potholder if you missed that classic episode but i actually didn't know the difference and then she was telling me that caskets and coffins are different didn't know did I you believe, know that? yeah i believe that that is true as well 
I, I've not confirmed it, never looked them up, but I've always understood them to be two different things. I would also like to point out, this was the most Lucas-like way of recommending a book. Here are the following reasons you might hate it, but <laughs> otherwise, Waking Up White, Debbie Irving, give it a read. An, an easy thing for any book is to go read some other reviews of it and then download a sample chapter and yes. uh, see what you think, right? Yeah, very good. That's that's the week in the real world. I want to talk about a, a pretend world right now. Last week, end, I downloaded on my Nintendo Switch. And I say mine, it's actually my son's Nintendo Switch that has been languishing. He hasn't used it probably in a year. Um, I grabbed it and I downloaded Animal Crossing last weekend because many years ago in the previous version, I think it was Animal Crossing for Nintendo 3DS, I was kind of interested in the game, but we did not own a 3DS at the time. I'd been thinking about getting one for my son for some Mario games that he wanted to play at the time, but we never ended up getting it, so I never played Animal Crossing then. And last weekend, I thought, whoa, this looks like a really great, relaxing, you know, just way to escape it all. So I downloaded the game, and I have probably spent a couple of hours every day since then in Animal Crossing. Playing Animal Crossing. Yeah, and and not just playing Animal Crossing, really like living my best alternate life if I lived alone on an island and lived by the rules in the game. I it's like my best life. And of course you have to know that I also like my people are island people. I I like actual people. My actual people. Um I prefer cities. I like to be in cities. I like a lot of busyness around me and lots of noise and stimulation, but uh, ethnically, I come from island people, so it feels sometimes like I, I'm doing the things in the game that I would do if I lived in on an island. I mean, I'm still me. Uh, a lot of my behaviors that you'll see from me every day are behaviors that you see from me in Animal Crossing. I pay yes. a lot of attention to the flora and the fauna. Um, you know, I collect little bits of things when I walk on the beach in Animal Crossing. Can, Antoinette, can you just yes. because I'm a I'm a lifelong hater of video games yes. and computer games. Yes. Can, just if someone did, and I made it a point until you sent me an article about this to not know what Animal Crossing <laughs> is. So if a, if a listener does not know, I mean, what's just the gist of what you're doing? You're transported to a, an isolated island with a couple of other neighbors that you've never met before. There are some tanukis that have um, introduced you to the island and you're kind of working within their world of how to get set up and learn to live successfully in this world. Uh, But yeah, I mean, essentially you just, you land there and you get a tent and they start explaining how it works. And then every day you get up and it works in real time. So the days in the game are just like the days in real life. The sun rises and sets roughly when yours does. It's pretty cool. The difference you, is you're living you're a in a human. Tent. You are a human, yes. Okay. Um, there are other characters that live on the island with you. The two characters that live there with me are both animals. I think one is a monkey. One, yeah. One, I can't hmm. remember what the other one is. Anyway, all that to say. Um, you know, I think I behave the same way in the game that I probably do in real life in a lot of ways, but it's not for everyone because this is the kind of game where there's no end goal. You don't really uh, level up in concrete ways. And, and a friend of mine, her kids play it, but she said to me, I don't play it because I don't play games where there's no end. Um, personally, I love it. And so I was just Googling the other day, um, 
I had accidentally bought two garden gnomes. And I did that because after <laughs> the look on your face, Lucas. I mean, I've never accidentally bought garden gnomes, I, but... I accidentally bought two garden gnomes. I bought the first one. And because there's no way for you to see what you have already purchased at the end of that day, I was logged on and I bought one, not remembering that I had bought one early in the day. And I ended up the next day with two garden gnomes. So I went on Google searching, like, how do I see what I have already bought? Is there like a bank statement I can look at or something like that? And I ended up stumbling onto an Atlantic article that not only like got into why Animal Crossing is so beloved, particularly during a pandemic, uh, but down into um, like the premise is, and I'm quoting the article, Animal Crossing is a political hypothesis about how a different world might work, one with no losers. And it's a long article and you don't have to read the whole thing, but we will put it in the, in the show notes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, well, I was going to say it's an it's a world with no losers, but only one human, right? Or are there other humans? There are social aspects to the game that I haven't explored yet because I'm like less than a week into it. So you can connect with real life friends by exchanging your own personal codes and you can go visit each other on each other's islands and things like that. So there are definitely things that you can do that I haven't explored yet, but I can tell you that so far... I, I'm, I'm realizing that the game's moral code is embedded in its digital code. Mm. And I'll give you a quick example of that. On the second day I was playing the game, I was showing my husband how it worked. And of course, he was wondering what this thing was on the Switch that I was so obsessed with. And as I was explaining to him, I don't know, harvesting cherries or something like that, this new character walked into the frame that I had never seen before. And it surprised me and I was kind of taken aback. And my husband just very casually asked, are you going to kill that guy? This is Which is, not, there's no killing. There's no killing. It's Animal Crossing. It's a, a family game. There's no violence. There's no killing. Like, even if I wanted to kill this character, there would be no way in Animal Crossing that I would be able to do it. It's right. just not in the code. Um so knowing that that digital code prevents me from basically inflicting physical harm on anyone else in the game, I'm pretty sure that there are also other types of harm that I would not be able to inflict that we see in the real world, like colonialization. I don't think I'd be able to go to another island and kick people off and start you know, taking over their land and harvesting all of their goods and right. monetizing it and you know saying that the value of my labor now takes precedence over your experience in your life and anything that you would lay claim to here. Right. So I, I don't see that long term in Animal Crossing there's an opportunity for us to like go in there and build an empire. Um, and I do believe that knowing that going in it helps people really set their expectation appropriately um, as to how to behave in the game because you kind of get a sense as to what may be possible or not be possible. And it allows us to just kind of simmer down and enjoy being there. And I start to realize that these are not things that we were used to prior to COVID. Just that's not the way that our world is wired. And when I think about the game, whenever there are regulations in place, it helps us to decide on our own to kind of curb sometimes our most harmful behaviors and to just focus on the ways that we know we can thrive within the boundaries of that world. So hmm. I don't know. In American society, I feel like our code has different levels of 
moral expectations and those differences are often based on your level of wealth or power or fame. And COVID has revealed all of this. It has exposed our country's moral code. And I really feel like if we don't like what we see, we need to change it. And the best time to do that is now, to take action now when a lot of the folks that would normally be in power making bad decisions are kind of knocked out and sitting on the sidelines. Hmm. So did this make you more or less inclined to continue with your Animal Crossing? Or is that just not relevant to the... Um, I am definitely inclined to continue with Animal Crossing. And oddly enough, it feels like a way for me to stay motivated to do the things I need to do in the real world. Like Mm. this morning, I actually called the congressman who shall not be named to ask him to vote yes on the HEROES Act, which is up for vote in the House today. You called his office. I called his office. And the HEROES Act is the one that, of course, provides a lot of the things that we've been talking about in this podcast, some funding for the USPS, um, you know, more aid for everyday people, essential worker protections, all of those things. They're all bundled into this one package that if we know how, if we guess how our congressman is going to vote based on how he voted on the previous three packages, we would probably say, it's not worth it to call. I'm not going to waste my time. I called that DC office. I got voicemail, which I kind of anticipated. And Mm -hmm. it took me less than 20 seconds to leave that voicemail. Um, The most important thing to me, uh, takeaway wise, when I think about Animal Crossing is Some people may argue that you have limited agency in the game. I actually feel like one of the reasons why it's probably so successful is because people feel like they have full agency within the boundaries of the game. No, I can't kill another character, but yes, I can make a life that is enjoyable to me that I love. And when I think about how that translates into the world that we're in right now, we feel powerless often, and we're not. We just don't really know how to flex that individual power in a way that can affect big change. And enough, if enough of us are picking up the phones and making the calls that we need to make, we will be able to collectively exercise the power that we need yeah. to change. Oh, I love that. I love, oh, oh, good. <laughs> I cut you off for the big last line, but that's, yes, absolutely. Well, and also like so much of the GOP vision for what they're trying to accomplish right now really has nothing to do with creating a world that anyone loves. It's all about just tearing down people they disagree with and making it seem as if you care, caring about anyone else is a sign of weakness. Weakness and vulnerability. And vulnerability. And wearing a mask to not get other people sick is somehow an affront to your own liberty, which is a very pathetic idea of liberty, but... We have a very specific moral system that is baked into our country's code. And when we come back from this very short break, we will reckon with the state of our pandemic. All right, Antoinette, we are back on our weekend grab bag episode. And one thing we wanted to do today was just go over where we are as a state and a country in terms of coronavirus. As we've talked about before, somehow the fact that 
tons of people are getting sick and tons of people are dying seems like it's not at the forefront of this conversation, um, in part because it calls attention to the extreme failures of our president, uh, of the people who enabled him, of the ruling Republican Party. Um, So we've decided rather than honor those people, mourn those people, acknowledge those people, we will just be talking about other other things. Um, Okay, so I have some numbers for us. Where are we? Yes. Um, Okay, so the uh, Johns Hopkins has a coronavirus resource center, um, and we will put the link up, but it tracks tracks, uh, all of the numbers related to coronavirus. Um, Total confirmed worldwide cases is nearing towards 5 million at the moment. Uh, Global deaths is 303,825. Now, of those 303,000, 85,992 are from the U.S., which seems like a lot given that we're one country and this is the whole world right right we we know that south korea has had something like i don't have it in front of me but what 300 deaths Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so was coronavirus preventable no was the situation we're in preventable it seems quite clear that the answer is yes it was um so that's where we are with the u.s as a whole um texas here's a headline from the statesman yesterday um texas sees highest single day hike in coronavirus deaths and cases so this is two weeks after we quote unquote reopened And um, the statesman tells us that state health officials reported 58 new deaths related to coronavirus and 1,448 new cases as of Thursday, which is the highest single-day increase for both numbers. And as we have talked about many a time before, Antoinette, we're awful at testing. So this is just the people who are actually being counted. If you get sick with, you know, coronavirus and are never tested, you, according to these numbers, didn't have coronavirus. If you get sick and die and were never tested. It wasn't coronavirus. It wasn't coronavirus. So I think we can all agree these numbers are low. Um, And I did just want to, since I I know we have uh, a lot of Austin listeners here in Travis County, um, where Austin is, we have 2,345 cases, 70 deaths 74 deaths um excuse me so that's kind of the numbers in terms of the pandemic itself the economic numbers are also very scary um can i just say one thing about the economic numbers before Mm -hmm. we get into them which is just a reminder the reason for our economic catastrophe is we did not take care of the public health crisis that's right by having adequate testing where are the tests so you know 
the Republicans who are now saying the lockdown is the cause of all of these things. No, 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 no. The shutdown happened because the president and his administration was not prepared despite ample, ample warning. We then, as a people, agreed, right, to give this man and to give governors time to get their acts together. Mm -hmm. And when they squandered that time and didn't get their acts together, they just decided to say, well, we're moving on. COVID's over. Goodbye, COVID. Um, So that's why we're in this economic situation. Um, These are numbers from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Um, In April, the unemployment rate increased by over 10 points to 14.7%, the highest rate and largest over-the-month increase in the history of this series. They have data back to January 1948. Uh, The number of unemployed persons rose by 15.9 million to 23.1 million in um, April, and we've seen headlines of uh, you know 30 million americans filing for unemployment meanwhile thursday may 14th cnbc stocks drop in volatile trading as wall street wraps up worst weeks since late march so i'm gonna say on the whole not a great state of play for us in the united states of america right i'm curious to know how you and your husband are talking about what's next for you, how you, mm-hmm. how you decide how your behavior is outside of your house moving forward, socializing, birthday parties, grocery shopping, all of those kinds of things. What's happening in your house? I mean, as of right now, I would say, um, and we, we both have the advantage of being able to work from home. Um, my work has, you know, taken <laughs> taken some hits, but um, you know, we we both work from home and have that, um, a, a, or we have the ability to do that. Um, so as of now, I'd say we're pretty much staying the course of you know doing our grocery shopping, but really trying to limit that. Um, I at this point would not be comfortable socializing. Outside of our, we we once a week have a quite socially distanced uh, glass of wine with our neighbor, um, but aside from that, uh, you know, I don't I don't know. I I'm as as we have said many times, the fish rots from the head, right? And the Texas governor has done, I think, an absolutely awful job of letting people know the reality um, and of also just encouraging people to behave in the appropriate way and in the safe ways. I think our mayor here in Austin, Mayor Adler has done a a very good job of that, but is somewhat um, limited in what he can do because the governor's orders supersede him. So, you know, I, you know, we'll, we'll do takeout every now and then we'll do our groceries. We'll drive here, there, you know, we go for walks. I am a little scared of how I see people conducting themselves. And, you know, you know for me, that's a failing of our leadership um, because I do think there have been these mixed messages. So I don't, I mean, it's a great question. I don't, 
I don't know. I We'd, of course, like to go out and do things. I don't have a lot of faith living in this state with this leadership that um, it's a good idea. Not so much because I'm worried about getting sick, although that would not be good. I think we can all agree. But also just like I, this, the whole asymptomatic thing, I'm just like... You know, you don't want to be the kind of, you know, you don't want to end up as the super spreader, right? Right. And actually, Antoinette, I finally finished Nemesis by Philip Roth. Congratulations. It took me three three weeks to read, and it's about 10 pages long because <laughs> I'm such a distracted reader in this time. And I guess just cover your ears if you don't want to hear the ending. I'm assuming most of you are not in the middle of a pandemic going to run out to read Philip Roth's novel about polio, but um, he, the the main character kind of becomes convinced that he actually was like a super spreader mm-hmm. of polio, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which I don't know where I was going with that. I, the whole thing, I don't know. I don't know. What are you doing? Your family and my family agree that we have to solve the public health crisis before we can solve the economic crisis. And all of this preemptive reopening when we didn't have testing and contact tracing and quarantining in place as a process um, and a protocol, it just, it still boggles my mind watching the numbers go up. I don't want to be a super spreader and I don't want to enable super spreaders that are out there that I might come into contact with just by doing extra things. Uh, can I just also say, I'm, I'm only using that term because it was in the book and I don't, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't think there's such a thing as a, no, I like it. a super spreader. No, let's, <laughs> I mean, let's do it. Okay. Let's, let's use okay. it. I like it. Um, well, and so that said, we, we have been contacted by a lot of our, you know, medical and dental and whatever professionals, because now that they're getting the go ahead to to open under certain measures, they want business. So I get it. I get it. Um, we have an appointment for my son to go to the dentist. It was supposed to be in April and it got pushed off. And now we have him rescheduled for next Friday. Mm. Um, I was on the fence about hair. I contacted my stylist. I heard their protocol and we made an appointment for next Friday. And now that we're hearing that the cases are going up again, I am not as comfortable. So I figure I'll watch it for the next few days and decide whether we keep the appointments or cancel them. Um, It's, I mean, I had, I last week had a dermatologist appointment, a tele appointment, because it was like a prescription had run out. So if I didn't do the appointment, I couldn't get the, yes. the refill on the prescription. Yeah. And I mean, it was like, it was totally fine um, and helpful. And I have a nice dermatologist, but you know, it's not the same as going into the, it's not. the office. Like, oh, here's a picture of this thing on my ear. Like, just right. what do you think? It's like, right. well, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, Yeah. Ooh. Dentists, hairstylists, eye doctors, those are all the kinds of appointments that you can't do remotely. Like you really have to be there and you have to be seen. So I'm not sure. And, you know, from a, a personal level, one recent disagreement that I had with my husband was just about that socially distant, um, what's the word? contact with people, socializing Mm -hmm. with people. Um, He had prior to pandemic and every week, like every single week 
like clockwork get together with some of his friends. And they tried, I think, once in the six weeks, seven weeks that everybody was in total lockdown to do a Zoom. And I don't think they loved it enough to continue it. Mm -hmm. My group has done it every single week during lockdown. And in fact, we meet regularly now in a way that we didn't prior to because our schedules were always everywhere. And he, my husband said last week, he was thinking about going to this get together in person. And when we talked about, yeah, the location where they would be and whether it was realistic for them to stay six feet apart and to exercise all of those things, I, I said, I'm not comfortable with you going. Um, Funny enough, like five days after that, there was, uh, it was Mother's Day. And so a group of my friends who are all mothers, we had joked that for Mother's Day this year, what we want is to be away from all of our family. And so we were kind of talking about doing like a pool party at someone's house. And when I imagined that pool party, I just thought, can I, can you pull a slat up from your fence and I'll just sit at the fence line and we can still hear each other and see each other. But do I want to have that much sun on me? Because then I can't get under the umbrellas and, you know, all of these logistical issues. And what I know about those get togethers is if we don't talk ahead of time and agree on that social distancing protocol with one or more other people that don't live in our homes, we're risking a lot. There could be a lot of missed expectations and we may find ourselves in really awkward situations. Well, I will just say, as Republicans scream about how we need to reopen, I actually think what is preventing me from being more amenable to going to places, to appointments, to all of those things, is their lack of clarity and, frankly, sometimes myths and disinformation they're spreading about the actual safety measures. In other words, if the vast majority of people were wearing masks, were staying six feet apart, were following all of the rules because the rules have been clearly articulated, at that point, it's like, okay, well, your chances then of infecting someone else of getting infected really are reduced. You're right. But it, but the problem is you don't know, you know, we're going for a walk in the park. Are are the people coming towards us being as diligent as we've been for the last two months? And it just feels like we've, and I direct this not at people who have uh, lost their jobs, who are still going into work. I, I'm not saying that those things aren't horrible. Yes, horrible. I think we can all agree. But in terms of what's being asked of us social distance-wise, it feels like a pretty small sacrifice compared to sacrifices other generations have had to make in the face of major cataclysms. Mm-hmm. And the amount of whining and selfishness and callousness, again, I'm not, I'm not talking about... Um, you know, bemoaning or being really freaked out about a lost job, that is a huge sacrifice. I'm not talking about people who are risking their lives because they're essential workers or because they can't get unemployment um, and are going in. But just in terms of putting on a mask, staying six feet apart, not going to a baseball game or a basketball game for, you know, however long, it's, it's so minor in the grand scheme of things if you're able to actually help get us out of this situation and it's just honestly the level of whining just does not make me very confident in 
my fellow Americans. (laughs) I agree with you. I think I would also feel much more comfortable about getting out and getting life and commerce started from my own personal perspective and from my family's perspective if we did have stronger leadership, stronger guidance. I know that there have been reports of CDC guidelines that have been shelved and all those kinds of things by the White House, et cetera, et cetera. Um, It is... It is incumbent on us to make the best decisions that we can when we have the best information that we have. So we want to know from you as a listener, how are you deciding with your own families when and how to venture back into the world? Um, Are you looking at specific metrics? Uh, What are you using to make the decision and how are you having that conversation with your own family? Um, I know that we've, we'll say this at the end again, you can tweet us, uh, at oh this world pod or you can email us at oh this world pod at gmail.com but we'd love to know um, how are you making this very very difficult decision in these difficult times we're going to take another quick break and when we come back we'll get down to our recommendations for the weekend okay antoinette we are back Another kind of not the lightest Friday grab bag. We've reached into the grab bag and pulled out despair and horror. Um, (laughs) But also bright pink toenails. And that is worth something. That is. What will you be recommending this weekend for people who need to stay grounded in this unsettling time? Well, first and foremost, Animal Crossing on Nintendo Switch, if that is available to you. And if it's not and you're interested in Animal Crossing, there is an iOS version that you can play on your iPad or your iPhone called Animal Crossing Pocket Camp. I haven't tried it yet personally, but I bet it has the same sort of magic. And if none of these games, if you're like Lucas and you have video game horror, I will recommend music instead. There are two playlists that I love on Spotify. One of them I've mentioned before, but I don't think we linked to is lo-fi hip-hop music. It is one that is completely wordless, so it's nice to have it running in the background when you're doing something else, cooking, sewing masks, um, Mm -hmm. gardening, whatever it is that you do. And the other one is definitely a sing-along playlist called Throwback Jams, and most of those Throwback Jams are centered in the 90s, a couple in the 80s and a couple in the O's. But yeah, good, good, good music. Sing along. Shout at the top of your lungs. What is on your list this week, Lucas? Okay, I have just a few quick few quick recommendations. So first of all, people may not know this, but as we've said before, I keep saying as we've said before, why do I, I suddenly, soon I'm just going to be saying as we've said before, over and over, as we've said before, as we've said before, because I just said it, um, which actually relates to what I'm going to tell you, which is that people may not know this, but we are a DIY operation, as we've said before, that they probably know, but we're also a one take operation we just record it and we put it up yep because this is a you know it's a volunteer operation with a little uh you know not a little fantastic support from our patrons but um (laughs) so all of that's to say i'm just taking a slight do-over to say Waking Up White by Debbie Irving it did i did not need to do if we were editing i would have edited out my long kind of preface to that book i would recommend that if you are a particularly a white listener if you are a white listener who has been interested in kind of some of the racial whiteness talking happening um that is a great place to start okay 
recommendation for the weekend. Yes. So saw a bunch of good movies this week. Burning on Netflix. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't. I highly, highly recommend. Um, fantastic film, but that's not my recommendation. Okay. Last week, Antoinette, you had talked about your hatred of a television show, and I said I agreed based on two episodes that I've watched. Okay. And the, the television show is on Netflix, and it's called Love is Blind. Yes. We're late to this because it came out at the end of February, but we're just, we've just been talking about it now. And here's all I have to say about this. This is my recommendation for the week because we talked about our hatred for it. That very night, husband and I started the third episode, watched the whole rest of the series in Over like the weekend. two days. Yeah. This is the trick. You have to get out of the pods. So the the premise of this show is that you're agreeing to marry someone you have never seen, but you've talked to. And the first two episodes that are in these pods trying to find matches. And frankly, I found it extremely boring. Mm. I didn't find the conversation interesting. I didn't find I'm all that interesting. I was just bored. But then after they agree to marry different people, you know, five or six of them kind of couple up. Mm -hmm. And then they actually have to go live together and be together for a month before they get married. And then I was into it. Is it stupid? Yes. Is it, this is not my favorite word, but are there elements of it that one might call problematic? Perhaps. (laughs) However, addictive, addictive. All right. I have some, I'm not going to give any spoilers, there are some there are some couples I'm rooting for. I like metaphor. For. I like metaphor. So is this the equivalent of Netflix junk food? Specific junk food? This is the equivalent of a a low calorie junk food. Okay. I mean, it's not going to make you any stupider than you already are. It's not going to make you smarter. <laughs> <laughs> but um it you know what it I think I feel like it has at times, at least kind of a nice spirit. At times. I, I thought the pod stuff was the most interesting. Ugh. And after the pods, for me, it just kind of went downhill. Uh, there were things that fell into the realm of typical reality TV for me, just hijinks and setups and I don't know, just the level of drama was not really for me after the pods. I was I was intrigued by the pods. So we're very I, opposite in that. We are. I think I was also annoyed by the number of people who were like, I have never in my life had a conversation like this. It's like, what are you guys talking about all day? What are you talking about? Um, the other really funny thing is there's an episode at the end where one of the guys says to one of the girls, I remember the first time I laid eyes on you. It's been a month. I mean, that would be a real real problem if you did not remember a month ago. I hope you are seeing a professional about that, but I liked it. So my, my rec is Love is Blind. Lucas is recommending Love is Blind and um, yeah, that's going to be a fun weekend for everybody. I do think out of everything we've talked about today, the pink toenails and Love is Blind is probably rising to the top in terms of levity. Of happiness. 
And honestly, now that I've finished Nemesis, I actually, it's pretty great. It's just. Oh, good. Now that you've finished Nemesis and ruined the ending for the rest of us. And I've I've ruined the ending, but it, you know, it's, you don't really read that one for the ending, but. (laughs) Right, right. Good point. Hopefully anybody that has also had that on their shelf unread for years went like this and plugged their ears while you were in that section. I will be checking the, the bestseller list to see if. I've propelled Nemesis <laughs> to back onto the, the charts. charts. Again. Yeah. Yes. That's awesome. Well, we are definitely interested in knowing what's keeping you together. So let us know what's keeping you company during this pandemic. You can find us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at oh this world pod or email us at oh this world pod at gmail.com. You can find our podcast on all of the channels. So if you like what you're hearing, please tell a friend. And wherever you listen, please subscribe and give our podcast a rating. Fantastic. Lucas and I will see you next week. Uh, I think we're going to talk about corporate accountability, maybe. I think we're dealing with some corporate accountability. We might talk about, I will say we, when I put up, that little sort of homeschooling activity there was some nice response so we may offer some other um some other homeschooling ideas not that i say this as if i have children i don't but i did used to be a teacher so it might be a lighter week next week who knows i'm hopeful who knows it might be an oh this this wonderful world but probably not (laughs) everyone have a great weekend stay safe bye